You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. AINC programming is brought to you in part by Weissman Family Dental in Boulder, Colorado. For over 25 years, Weissman Family Dental has been providing high-quality dentistry. They offer regular checkups, emergency care, and a wide range of specialty services. They also have staff that speak Spanish. If you are looking for a new dentist, find them at WeissmanFamilyDental.com or call them at 303-494-0101 and tell them Audio Information Network of Colorado sent you. Thank you for joining us for the Thursday, April 20, 2023 reading of the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Levine. News. City Council announces site for Day Services Center by Will Matuska, April 20, 2023. During a Boulder City Council meeting on April 13, the city announced it has located a property for a day services center for those experiencing homelessness. The building at 1844 Folsom Street was formerly an office space. Boulder Shelter for the Homeless will run the center, which is scheduled to open later this year, but there are ongoing discussions on what services will be available. The current structure will be demolished in the next few years. The city is planning to replace it with a larger custom-built space with permanent supportive housing above it. During demolition and construction, the day center will be displaced to an as-yet undetermined location. Councilmember Bob Yates was pleased to hear the day services center is making headway. Quote, I find it disappointing that up until now, Boulder is one of the few cities in the front range of our size that hasn't had either a 24-hour shelter or at least a day services center where people can be during the daytime, unquote, he told Boulder Weekly. But council members and staff also said that they recognize more needs to be done to address homelessness in Boulder. Quote, the frustration that we have, that the community has, is that despite the success of getting individuals out of homelessness, we still see these challenges, unquote. Kurt Fernhaber, Housing and Human Services Director, said during the meeting. Fernhaber is referencing the 7,000 individuals since 2018 who have gone through the countywide coordinated entry program which helps people experiencing homelessness access housing resources. About every six months, Boulder City Council has a study session to discuss homelessness updates, efforts, and strategies. New programs are kicking off, including the Building Home Program, launched earlier this month, to support newly housed community members, and an on-street mental health team that will operate without the presence of a police officer. The city is also optimistic about finalizing the installation of a second operations and cleanup team under its Safe and Managed Spaces program, which will help conduct sweeps of encampments, a tactic that has been shown to decrease life expectancy for the unhoused. 
At the end of March, the city also shortened the time it gives people participating in unsanctioned camping to clean up and leave under certain circumstances. See News, Ease the Harm, April 6, 2023. Challenges still persist. A lack of resources to address the growing unhoused population was brought up several times. City staff spoke about the lack of treatment options for mental health or substance use, limited housing options, and a lack of alternatives for people who don't have housing right now. The city is also struggling to find solutions for the 45, quote, high system utilizers, unquote, who put a, quote, disproportionate strain, unquote, on justice systems and emergency services. Joe Tarucci, Director of Public Works for Utilities, spoke about the challenges that arise from division in the community. Quote, there's really well-intended efforts on all sides of the issues, but at times we are working against each other, unquote, he said. Quote, if we could ever figure out a way to align those efforts, it would be huge, unquote. No decisions were made at the meeting, but council expects to discuss these topics more in depth moving forward. News. Lawyer for POP member calls investigation findings incorrect and illegal. A special counsel recommends removing a member of Boulder's police oversight panel by Caitlin Rocket, April 20, 2023. After months of investigation, a specially appointed lawyer has recommended that a member of Boulder's police oversight panel, POP, resign, but some in the community are questioning the validity of the findings and the legality of the recommendations. The City of Boulder hired attorney Clay Douglas in January to investigate five code of conduct complaints, all of which were filed by Boulder residents, related to the appointment of new POP members. The panel is tasked with reviewing police department disciplinary action in cases where officers are accused of wrongdoing. Two of the complaints claim that POP member Lisa Sweeney Moran had made statements online being critical of police and as such was unable to make impartial decisions on the, on the panel. The complaints also pointed to Sweeney Moran's involvement with the ongoing American Civil Liberties Union lawsuit against Boulder's camping ban. Douglas agreed, quote, Available evidence of Lisa Sweeney Moran's real or perceived bias or prejudice could undermine public trust in and effectiveness of the police oversight panel, unquote, Douglas wrote in the report released on April 14, quote, I recommend Council consider requesting Sweeney Moran's resignation from the Police Oversight Panel. If she refuses such a request, I recommend Council consider removing her." Unquote. But Sweeney Moran told Boulder Weekly she has no plans to resign from the board, and her lawyer, Dan Williams of Hutchison Black & Cook, 
has responded to the findings of the investigation via a letter to Douglas and the city attorney, calling the recommendation for his client to resign or be removed from the panel, quote, illegal, unquote, as neither of the two code of conduct complaints directly accuses Sweeney Moran of misconduct. One complaint accuses members of the POP Selection Committee of misconduct by selecting Sweeney Moran. The second complaint accuses six members of Boulder City Council of misconduct by voting to approve Sweeney Moran's place on the panel. Quote, One must have been found to have personally violated the city's code of conduct as a precondition for the issuance of a sanction against the person, unquote, Williams writes, quote, because the special counsel makes no finding that Ms. Sweeney Moran personally violated the code of conduct, the city is not authorized to sanction her or remove her from the police oversight panel, unquote. Williams also writes that the city attorney and special counsel, quote, misconstrue what constitutes a code of conduct violation, unquote, that Douglas, quote, failed to conduct an effective investigation, unquote, by not interviewing POP selection committee members, and that the recommendations in the report, quote, undermine the integrity of the police oversight panel, disrupting its work, unquote. Jude Landsman is a member of the executive committee of the Boulder County chapter of the NAACP and was a member of the POP selection committee who recommended Sweeney Moran. Landsman confirms that no one from the selection committee was interviewed for the investigation and calls the focus on, quote, real or perceived bias, unquote, a, quote, right-wing tactic, unquote. Quote, all those words around bias were intended to make sure that the police oversight panel members were diverse, whether they were formerly incarcerated, whether they were homeless, black, white, Hispanics, Hispanic, Latinx community, unquote, she says. Quote, it was intended, I think, in a well-meaning fashion for inclusivity, and somewhere along the line, certain factions want to make that about bias against the police. That is not in context what those words about bias are meant to protect, unquote. POP member Sam Zhang wrote a letter to city council, which he shared on Twitter in support of Sweeney Moran, quote, if it is biased to articulate alternative visions to policing, unquote, Zhang wrote, quote, then one has excluded those who have thought most deeply and imaginatively about our community's future, unquote. Darren O'Connor, Criminal Justice Committee Chair for the NAACP Boulder County, points to the, quote, legislative intent, unquote, section of the city's municipal code that sets up the POP. Quote, in order to improve community trust in the police department, unquote, the section reads, quote, the council intends to increase community involvement in police oversight and ensure 
that historically excluded communities have a voice in that oversight, unquote. Quote, if every person recommended for POP by historically excluded communities is required to have no negative opinions of any kind towards police, unquote, O'Connor wrote in an email to Boulder Weekly, quote, lest they be deemed to have bias forbidding them from serving, then the legislative intent is not achievable, and justice for such communities will once again be justice delayed and therefore justice denied, unquote. Community member Carolyn Ellerding, who was also a member of the Boulder County NAACP and showing up for racial justice, also took to Twitter to share her letter to counsel in support of Sweeney Moran. Her comments homed in on the uptick in code of conduct complaints that have come into the city this year. See news, questions arise about complaint process as council member accused of conduct violation, April 6, 2023. Quote, it's time to consider the sources of these complaints, for nothing is more biased than to believe that one's own perspective is universal, though thinking this way is a common mistake and tactic of the privileged, unquote. Ellerding writes, quote, democracy, real healthy democracy, involves diverse perspectives and often dis deep disagreement, which should be navigated in a just and respectful manner not by breaking the rules after losing a fair fight, unquote. News. Growing wild. Is spraying for cheatgrass worth the risk? By Will Matuska, April 20, 2023. Throughout the prairies and foothills of Boulder County, there's a plant causing concern and debate. To the lay person's eye, cheatgrass is barely distinguishable from the rest of the grasses surrounding it, but it's been a thorn in the side of land managers across the West since the early 1900s. Cheatgrass is a, quote, significant component of foothills rangeland vegetation, unquote, along the front range, according to Colorado State University and can contribute to wildfire risk, decrease plant diversity, and impact pollinator and wildlife habitat. Boulder County uses Rejuvra, a pre-emergent herbicide manufactured by Bayer, to help mitigate cheatgrass. Previously known as Esplanade, Rejuvra was approved by the Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, in 2020 to be used on natural areas. Quote, we've been using Rejuva for several years because we are so impressed with the results and are confident that it is really the right way to manage our open spaces, unquote, says Therese Glowacki, director of Boulder County Parks and Open Space. But Months before the county reevaluates its nearly 20-year-old weed management plan, some community members and scientists are voicing disagreement with the county's use of the herbicide, especially the aerial spray method via helicopter, saying more research needs to be done 
to justify the use of rejuvra on cheatgrass, a plant some say might not be worth worrying about on the front range at all. Decades-old nuisance. Cheatgrass is found throughout the front range, but it's not native. The opportunistic plant thrives in grasslands and disturbed ecosystems, like areas of construction, fire, floods, or intense recreation, and can outcompete native species for nutrients, sunlight, and water. It has dark green leaves with a hint of purple and small hairs speckled across the body of the plant, which can grow up to 30 inches tall. Its seeds germinate in the fall and winter. By early spring, the annual plant, also known as downy brome, has already jumped ahead of its competitors, greening up while the rest are still waking from winter. It will turn brown and die at the beginning of summer. Once it's established, cheatgrass is hard to control. A single plant can produce thousands of seeds that can linger in the soil for five years before it germinates. When it comes to fire risk, cheatgrass-filled ecosystems create problems. One Colorado State University fact sheet calls it, quote, highly flammable, unquote, where dense groups provide, quote, fine textured fuels that increase fire intensity and often decrease intervals between fires, unquote. Quote, I've been on prescribed fires where there's been cheatgrass, and it's a problem, unquote, says Stefan Reinhold, Resource Management Division Manager at Boulder County Parks and Open Space. According to the county, there have been about 210 overall applications of rejuvra with the aim of controlling about 300 acres a year. Some projects are half-acre sites done by hand, and others are aerial applications up to 500 acres. They also use tractors for larger ground application. Rejuvra's active ingredient is indaziflam, which is approved in the United States for use on hops, coffee, bushberries, tropical crops, stone fruit, and tree nuts. Rejuvra targets annual plants and stays in the top portion of the soil for up to four seasons, giving it the potential to remove cheatgrass for years after one application. In areas where the herbicide has been applied in the county, Glowacki says she sees less cheatgrass and more native plants. The county has used other control methods like prescribed fire and grazing, but Glowacki says rejuvra is more effective, costs less, $42 an acre, and requires less time and resources than other techniques. Quote, in the big scheme of things, if we could have an effective treatment that did not include any sort of herbicide, that would be our first choice, unquote, Glowacki says. Knowns and unknowns. Because rejuvra is a relatively new herbicide, there are ongoing studies looking at its long-term effect on both plant and soil communities. Carrie Havria is an assistant professor of rangeland ecology and management 
at Colorado State University. She's researching how the herbicide impacts the whole ecosystem, something we don't currently know. Quote, we have some evidence that indazaflam works pretty effectively controlling weeds and reducing weed cover, unquote, she says. Quote, but there's less known about some of its more ecological and environmental impacts, unquote. Tim Seestet, a professor at CU Boulder who studies prairie ecosystems and fire mitigation, says he is skeptical that Rejuvra doesn't have extensive impacts on non-targeted communities like native annuals, soil microbes, or invertebrates. Quote, it never hurts to have more information, but there seems to be a definite void in this one, unquote, he says. For example, if it stays in the soil for multiple years, he says there's potential rejuvra can move with erosion. Glowacki acknowledged it would be nice to have more scientific research, but is confident in studies the county has completed that show benefits from removing cheatgrass with rejuvra. Quote, if you intuitively, if you have good plant diversity on the surface, you are going to have good microbes, good carbon sequestration, better health, soil health, and more water holding capacity as a result of removing cheatgrass, unquote, she says. Seastet says cheatgrass isn't the, quote, enemy number one, unquote, that would justify herbicide treatment, arguing that competition from perennial grasses and available moisture makes cheatgrass less abundant and a decreased fire risk in the front range. Brian Oliver Wildland Fire Division Chief at the City of Boulder's Fire Rescue Department says cheatgrass is fairly easy to extinguish and, quote, does not necessarily raise the fire risk, unquote, because it's part of the overall fuel regime, but can pose a higher threat if it's the predominant fuel carrying a fast-moving fire to heavier fuels. Colorado categorizes cheatgrass as a, quote, list C, unquote, noxious weed, meaning it does not require active management because of its high prevalence around the state, but counties are allowed to require treatment within their own jurisdictions. Quote, list C means you don't bother managing it unless you see it as a particular problem. And so my interpretation is I don't see it as a particular problem, unquote, Seastet says. Quote, I'd walk right by and work on another issue, unquote. According to county-level distribution data from EDD maps, cheatgrass has been reported 1,116 times in Boulder County, which is considerably higher than most other counties in Colorado. Cheatgrass was reported 1,176 times in the six counties surrounding Boulder. Patty York, a program manager in the state's Noxious Weed program, told Boulder Weekly in an email that those numbers are likely higher across the state because reporting list C weeds is not a requirement. 
Seastet says applying Rejuvra in large patches, especially through aerial applications, is not worth it. Quote, would I use the money to hire a helicopter to broadcast spray something that's going to kill all seedlings for three years to get rid of cheatgrass? The answer is no, unquote, he says. Viable alternatives have been proven at a smaller scale. Nick DiDomenico, co-founder at Drylands Agroecology Research, DAR, a regenerative landscape and agriculture nonprofit has seven acres of hilly terrain on his farm that were overgrown with cheatgrass. Once he introduced strategic mob grazing by sheep in the early spring, it took two years for the hill to revegetate with perennial grasses. He says, quote, strategic grazing is a really easy way to manage and mitigate, unquote, cheatgrass, and that it is scalable but faces limitations like fencing infrastructure, which can be expensive. Iowa State Extension found a 1,320-foot fence costs $1.48 per foot. Public input. Residents in Boulder County have voiced concern for years about the use of herbicides on public lands. In response to public concerns, the city of Boulder stopped using glyphosate, Roundup, in 2011, a policy change the county did not follow. There's currently a petition on moveon.org with 3,124 signatures calling for the county to stop using herbicide on open space. There's also been a renewed effort to question the county's weed management plan after its latest aerial application of Rejuvra via helicopter on November 1 at Hall Ranch, adjacent to the town of Lyons. Kathleen Sands, who helps organize the Lyons Climate Action Group, was at a town hall meeting the county hosted a few days before the November 1 spray. She says people at the meeting were, quote, up in arms, unquote. Quote, we were just completely opposed to the upcoming aerial spray, unquote, she says, claiming the spray drifted to untargeted areas. According to Glowacki, the county has completed five total aerial applications of about 200 to 500 acres each, there were no opportunities for public input before the aerial rejuver program started. Havria says she understands concern over using rejuvra, a relatively new herbicide, quote, we don't know a whole lot about, unquote, but also notes the importance of managing cheatgrass. Quote, Boulder is faced with this huge challenge of a ton of this highly flammable and invasive weed on our open space, unquote, she says. Quote, and with its connection to the recent wildfires, biodiversity loss, and impacts on soil health, we have to do something about those challenges and mitigate those risks, unquote. Earlier this year, 
Parks and Open Space and the Boulder County Commissioners paused aerial herbicide application as a result of public concern and to give an opportunity for the public to provide input on its weed management policy, which is slated to be reevaluated this fall. While that plan was last amended July 20, 2004, the state's Noxious Weed Act requires counties to reevaluate weed management plans at least every three years, although changes don't necessarily need to be made. Glowacki says parks and open space will still propose to have aerial applications as a method to help access remote areas and because of its effective weed control and cost. The county will make online and in-person opportunities for public input available on the Parks and Open Space website. That is www.boco.org slash weeds. The Boulder County Commissioners will make the final decision on the policy in the fall. Opinion. Letters. April 20, 2023. By readers like you. Stop dynamic ticket pricing. When Taylor Swift tickets went on sale last November, the experience highlighted problems in event ticketing. Colorado has the chance to bring transparency to event ticketing by requiring ticket holdback disclosure and bot reporting via Senate Bill 60. It's time for event ticketers to be transparent with fans about the number of tickets for sale. When I tried to buy tickets for a Skrillex Red Rocks show, I was offered premium, dynamically priced tickets between $475 and $800 each. If event ticketers don't want to be transparent about holdbacks and report bots, lawmakers should look at ending exclusive contracts on publicly owned and financed buildings and stopping dynamic pricing. From Arthur Lewis in Denver. Coloradans impacted by Alzheimer's and dementia. 76,000 Coloradans are living with Alzheimer's disease, and that number is expected to rise by 21% in the next few years. As a Coloradan whose parents were both diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I know firsthand how devastating the disease can be. I look to our members of Congress to support important legislation that will make a difference for families like mine. Congress is considering reauthorizing two laws that have helped our nation make progress in research, care, and awareness about Alzheimer's disease, the National Alzheimer's Plan Act and the Alzheimer's Accountability Act. These important laws have helped researchers and providers understand the disease and the needs of the families struggling with it. Additionally, the Comprehensive Care for Alzheimer's Act would streamline the ever-changing healthcare maze that Alzheimer's families must navigate to get care for their loved one. Coordinating the delivery of Alzheimer's care can reduce costs while providing improved quality of care. Thank you to Senator Michael Bennett 
for his quick work in co-sponsoring these bills and joining the Bipartisan Congressional Task Force on Alzheimer's Disease. From Tim Jordan in Denver. Containment. Stage. Growing pains. Local staging of coming-of-age pop opera supports LGBTQ youth mental health by Tony Tresca, April 20, 2023. Many artists are drawn to the theater because it fosters a sense of community. So when a playhouse announces its closure, the creatives involved frequently feel like they are losing a home. Quote, a year ago, when we found out that Longmont's Jester's Dinner Theater was closing, a few of us tried to do a fundraiser concert at the Arts Hub to save Jester, unquote, says local performer Alex Collin. Quote, it didn't work out, but Kenzie Rosenstone, the Arts Hub Director of Programming, snatched us all up, unquote. Now Collin has a new home, at the nonprofit's multidisciplinary, multi-million dollar arts facility in Lafayette, where she works as a teaching artist and handles a number of duties on both sides of the curtain. Quote, between directing, acting, and helping backstage at the Arts Hub, I haven't stopped, unquote, she says. Quote, I now know where all the best nap spots are in the building, unquote. Helen Campbell was looking for that same sense of belonging when she auditioned for The Adams Family at the Arts Hub in the summer of 2022. After being cast as Wednesday Adams, she found the organization to be a great way to make friends and has since appeared on stage in several other shows. Campbell and Colin became close while portraying Heather Duke and Heather Chandler in Heather's, the musical, produced earlier this year as part of the Arts Hub Emerging Artists Mentorship Program, offering aspiring theater makers the chance to gain practical production experience. Now the pair are working together as co-directors for the ongoing production of Bear, a pop opera, that's B-A-R-E, whose upcoming final weekend wraps at the Art Hub on Sunday, April 23. Quote, a couple of shows were being thrown around for our next project, unquote, Rosenstone says, quote, but Bear won out because we all love this musical and we have many artists who work with us who resonate with stories that center on the expression of identity. Bear is the type of story we want to share with our community, unquote. For the kids, set in a co-ed Catholic boarding school, Bear is a 2000 coming-of-age rock musical by Damon Intrabartolo and John Hartmere, following a group of seniors, Peter, Jason, Matt, Ivy, and Nadia, as they walk the tightrope of their emerging sexual identities and religious anxieties while rehearsing for a production of Romeo and Juliet. Quote, as directors, we took time to dive into every song to pull out the message behind it, unquote, says Campbell. Quote, one of the central elements of Bear is this queer relationship 
between Jason and Peter that occurs within the Catholic Church. There are some productions of this where you think they are just friends, but it was important to us that it was about their sexualities and religious response." Unquote. That's not the only way the Arts Hub is bucking the tradition of some other Bear productions. When it came to casting the show, the co-directing team set out with a wider net than previous stagings of the 23-year-old musical. Quote, we didn't want to be limited to specific genders or body types, unquote, Campbell says. Quote, the only roles that we felt needed to be cast a certain way were the priest as a cis male, and the leads had to be a queer couple. Aside from that, we prioritized finding a cast with greater diversity than the theater industry's traditional vision for Bear, unquote. In addition to more inclusive casting, the Arts Hub double-cast the production to give as many people as possible the opportunity to work on the show. Instead of a traditional single slate of actors, this production of Bear features alternating performance crews known as the Capulet cast and the Montague cast. Quote, I come from Jester's Dinner Theater, which has always double cast, and I love it, unquote, says Colin. Quote, it is authentic to the human experience for people to be able to interpret these characters and their relationships in vastly different ways. Actors might walk to the same spot, but they are walking with such different motivations and intentions, unquote. To better serve those different acting choices, the co-directors worked with the design team to create an all-black stationary set to keep distraction at a minimum. Aside from occasional red and blue accent pieces, the environment is a blank canvas for the performances to shine. Quote, this is going to sound silly, but the general vision was a very bare version of bare, unquote, Colin says. Quote, we want to strip it down and create a playing space for the actors, but not much else. When a show is written so well and has so many important themes, it doesn't need all those flashy technical elements to be really powerful, unquote. The team knows those themes, which include drug abuse and self-harm, might be challenging for some audience members. That's why the Arts Hub has partnered with local LGBTQ organizations like the Denver-based Center on Colfax and Boulder County's OASOS, Open and Affirming Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity Support, to provide resources and support to patrons at the show. Quote, on top of feeling like you saw a great piece of theater and maybe having a new favorite musical, we hope people walk away having learned, unquote, Campbell says. Quote, we hope that after watching the show and listening to the nonprofits, people's eyes will be opened because everything you see in the show is happening in real life, unquote. On stage, Bear, a pop opera by Damon Intrabartolo and John Hartmere, various times through April 23, the Arts Hub, 420 Courtney Way, Lafayette. 
You can get tickets at artshub.booktix.com. Entertainment Music Hall of the Wild Leftover Salmon Banjo Player Andy Thorne Gets Foxy in the Foothills by Adam Perry, April 20, 2023 Andy Thorne has always walked a fine line between tradition and experimentation. Even as a kid in bluegrass-obsessed North Carolina, Watching banjo, banjo greats chop it up at traditional showcases like Doc Watson's legendary Merle Fest, the future leftover salmon musician knew he was a little different. Quote, my banjo playing is always going to go back to the roots, but I'm fairly progressive, unquote, Thorne says. Quote, even back then, people in North Carolina thought I played too much hoolyhoo. This great banjo player said, man, you like that hoolyhoo, unquote. Raised in a bluegrass-loving family, he started taking piano lessons in elementary school, began, quote, messing around with the guitar, maybe around age 10, unquote, and picked up a banjo on a whim at age 12. Quote, I just sort of ended up with this instrument because it was $50 at my neighbor's yard sale, and I was fascinated with it because it seemed really unique and fun, unquote, Thorne says. Quote, it was something I messed with at home, but by the time I was in high school, I had a little band with my friends. Suddenly, after Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, the banjo was cool, unquote. Picking up his first banjo at that yard sale was Thorne's gateway to most of the music he loves today, including Bela Fleck, Tony Trishka, and his hero, Doc Watson, whom he calls, quote, the greatest singer-guitar player ever, unquote. But before long, he also began to gravitate toward the, quote, hoolyhoo, unquote, coming from bands like the String Cheese Incident and Leftover Salmon, two jammy bluegrass-inspired outfits based in Colorado that often toured through North Carolina, including a stop at Watson's Merle Fest that wound up being a turning point for Thorne. Quote, I was like, wow, this is what I'd love to do. This is bluegrass, but mixed with some improv, and they're having fun. They're not wearing suits. They're smiling and having a great time, unquote, he says. Quote, I knew they were from Colorado, so I was like, I've got to get out to Colorado and see what's going on with the music scene, unquote. Thorne visited Colorado in high school, hiking 14ers and camping, on a ski trip in 2003, he met Anders Beck, later of Green Sky Bluegrass, and the two started jamming together. Thorne ended up spending a summer in Durango and even winning the banjo contest at the Rocky Grass Festival in Lyons. After two years touring in Larry Keel's band, Thorne finally drove to the Centennial State in his station wagon, this time to stay taking a job in the Emmett Nershey Band. Quote, It was pretty obvious growing up in North Carolina that everybody knows the roots there. I think a lot of people take that a little bit too far, unquote, Thorne says. Quote, In Colorado, it was sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. 
Between these two cultures, I figured out how to keep the roots alive while jamming, unquote. After original leftover salmon banjo player Mark Van died in 2002, there was a void in the band, and Thorne eventually stepped in, bringing a youthful energy in a musical style built on creativity, levity, and tradition. Quote, it already felt incredible to be with Drew and Bill Nershey because I grew up a big fan of Leftover and st String Cheese. Joining Leftover was just a whole other level of excitement, especially because we were already starting to do some really big stuff, unquote, he says. Not only has Thorne found a home in Leftover Salmon, but his literal home in the Boulder foothills has been an unexpectedly productive creative site for him, his emerging solo career, thanks in part to the local fauna. The property attracted a wild fox named Foxy by his family, who has inspired multiple solo albums, most recently the instrumental Songs of the Sunrise Fox. His latest LP follows a widely shared video of Thorne playing a then unreleased tune, Aesop Mountain, to Foxy, who appears to groove with the musician against the beautiful Boulder Valley backdrop. The footage went viral, and people all over the world started asking what the song was. He recorded it, along with other open-tuning improvisations, and soon learned something interesting about what his listeners wanted. Quote, When I started to take videos and post them online, I noticed that the fans out there really liked the claw hammer stuff, unquote, Thorne says, referring to the traditional style of downward strumming using the nails of the index and middle fingers, rather than plucking strings individually. Quote, I'd spend all this time practicing this fancy piece with a three-finger banjo, but then some little thing I would make up that was claw hammer would get more reaction. I noticed people really dug it. It's lyrical and it's simple, unquote. Foxy felt the same way. And for Thorne, a musician who has always lived with a foot in different worlds, roots versus radical, tradition versus holy who, the feedback from his four-legged friend was just as instructive. Quote, he did not like it when I was playing the louder, faster, three-finger style, unquote, he says. Quote, but we noticed he likes the claw hammer, unquote. On the bill, Andy Thorne with Adam Ijala and Ben Kaufman of Yonder Mountain String Band, Future Arts Foundation Benefit Show, 6 p.m. Thursday, April 27, Rayback Collective, 2775 Valmont Road in Boulder. Sold out. Cuisine, Nibbles, Cornering the Market the top 10 rules and shopping hacks for getting the most out of your Boulder Farmer's Market visit by John Leindorf, April 20, 2023. Go the distance. That's the prime directive. Walk through the whole Boulder's farm, for, Farmer's Market first before you buy anything, says manager Liz Thomas. Quote, 
it's easy to miss everything that's available, especially from new vendors, unquote. As the market commenced its 2023 season, Thomas gave Boulder Weekly a guided tour of the market, pointing out a dozen new farmers, bakeries, and guest vendors. She knows the territory well. On a typical Saturday, she says she averages more than 15,000 steps. Before you get too far into the market's season, we offer the following do's and don'ts to being a good market shopper. Rule number one, leave your snake at home, Thomas says. That also goes for the cats, parrots, ferrets, and of course, dogs that customers have tried to bring into the market. Quote, we all love dogs, but leave them at home. You have to think of this as an open-air grocery store where you also wouldn't bring your pet, unquote, she says. Rule number two, visit often, Thomas says, because the parade of produce and flower varieties changes week to week and progresses through the season from early greens to end-of-season apples and winter squash. Rule number three, go around the corner. Visit the booths along Canyon Boulevard, which includes Massa Seed Foundation, the award-winning Harkin Cider, shaded seating, and a vegan ice cream truck. Rule number four, never ask for bananas or pineapples or peaches out of season. Quote, do expect to find only local produce and Colorado fruit, unquote, Thomas says. Yes, the market's food booths use produce and ingredients from other places, but are encouraged to feature locally sourced items. There is coffee available because, well, we must have coffee, but it is always locally roasted. Rule number five, talk to the fa farmers and vendors. Yes, interpersonal communications, Thomas advises. Quote, Ask the farmers, what's the best you have today? Talk to them about how they grow their vegetables, unquote, she says. Try a produce item, even if it's unfamiliar, and ask for some prep and cooking tips. Most importantly, never turn down a free sample. Rule number six, always arrive early. Quote, the selection of produce is always better first thing in the morning. It's cooler, the crowds are smaller, and the parking is easier. Some farmers bring small amounts of certain crops, unquote, Thomas says. In other words, if you want the raspberries, be there at 8 a.m. Later in the season, consider coming back later in the day. In the last hour, the market is open. Farmers are loath to haul produce all the way back to the farm if they don't have to. Make a deal for a box of fresh goodness. Rule number seven, get over your passion for pretty fruits and vegetables. Learn to love produce with personality, not looks. Ask for farmers' seconds. The less attractive tomatoes, potatoes, squash, and rutabagas they keep in a box in the back of the booth. They are perfect for cooking and canning, Thomas says. Rule number eight, don't just buy fresh veggies and fruits to eat today, tonight, or next week. Learn to preserve, pickle, ferment, dry, 
can and freeze these goodies for great meals in the months to come. Talk to the preserving experts at the Healthy by Design and Mountain Girl Pickles booth for tips. Rule number nine, if you drive, don't think about trying to park close to the market. Consider walking or biking. Do your part for sustainability by bringing your own reusable bags. Thomas also asks market customers to bring their own coffee or tea mug, as she does, and your own utensils to cut down on stuff going to the landfill. Remember that Boulder's composting rules no longer allow so-called compostable silverware or containers. Rule number 10, don't whine about the prices. It is irrelevant that you can buy onions cheaper at Walmart. Quote, everyone at this market is local. Your money stays local. It keeps farmers in business and helps local food security, unquote, Thomas says. Quote, you are truly supporting your neighbors, unquote. One final strong suggestion. Gather your kitchen knives and get them sharpened at the Johnson's Sharpening Booth while you shop the market. You will need safely sharp utensils to turn all that produce into tasty summer feasts. Local Food News, Celebrating Earth Day. Slow Food Boulder County and Massa Seed Foundation celebrate Earth Day Saturday afternoon at Massa Farm, 1367 North 75th Street. Festivities include a garden seed exchange, farm tours, tree planting, and art projects. Vendors will offer local farm foods, and Pharaoh chef Patrick Balcom will serve fresh pie dog pizza. Dickens Prime 300 has closed in Longmont. Broomfield-based Roots will open a second restaurant in the historic Main Street building. The Dickens Opera House upstairs will be available for events. The Bee Hugger 12590 Ute Highway in Longmont is open for the season with fresh honey, animal feeding, tractor climbing, and kids' pony rides. Nibbles Index, we eat in chains. No matter what we think, we mostly don't eat at local independent eateries. According to Technomics Top 500 Restaurant Survey, the 10 biggest chains, including McDonald's, Starbucks, and Chick-fil-A, accounted for more than 25% of all U.S. restaurant sales last year. The 500 biggest U.S. restaurant chains produced nearly 60% of all sales. Words to chew on, cranking Johnny Cash. Quote, Every summer, he made peach ice cream on the lawn with peaches from his own orchard. He hand-cranked the old-fashioned ice cream maker until his arm was surely aching and stiff. He set firecrackers off while we ate huge bowls of his homemade ice cream, unquote. Roseanne Cash, writing about her dad, Johnny Cash. John Lendorf hosts Radio Nibbles Thursdays on KGNU, 88.5 FM and streaming at kgnu.org. For comments, contact nibbles at boulderweekly.com. 
Thank you for joining us for the Boulder Weekly. My name is Eric Living. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.